Let's look at some scripture, shall we? John chapter 20 is where we're at this morning. Uh, really, this is one of the few stories you can get in any of the Gospels, or even a little bit in the book of Acts. John chapter 20, verses 1 through 9. It says, Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one who Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in, the strip, in at the strips of linen lying there, but did not go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. Finally, the other disciples, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Uh, so, this story is probably one you have heard before, right? Nobody's heard this story before? Nobody? I thought you were catching on. Okay, so, so this is a story you've heard before. Let's be honest, it's the whole reason you came this morning, right? Because there is one Sunday, two Sundays, <laughs> really, there's two Sundays a year that we know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, what is being preached on, right? It's this one and the Sunday before December 25th. Those two, you come and you pretty much know what is going to happen, uh, at least in the sermon front, right? So this morning as you come, I wanted, I wanted to, to start by sharing that, uh, you know, in pastor circles, there's always kind of this running thing about Easter. Because at Easter... Especially, you know, if you figure a normal career of like 40, 45 years of preaching, right? It means that you're going to preach 40 or 45 Easter's. So how do you tell the Easter story differently than you did in the other 45 years that you've been preaching? Now, thankfully for me, I'm only on year 11, so I got lots of ammo left, right? But the thing is, we have to consider on Easter, how do you make the story relevant, right? How do you, how do you bring it so that it's not something where people leave and they go, oh yeah, that was good. I've, that was the same as last Easter, right? There was a great comic this week um, of a guy sort of insinuating that the guy only ever came to church on Easter. And he said, uh, he said, you know, pastor, I think you're in a rut. You only ever preach the same thing when I'm here. <laughs> So this morning, the thing that I'm going to teach you on is nothing revolutionary. What I'm going to teach you on is a reminder. Because for most of us, Easter, we've only ever gotten half the story. We've probably gotten the full story at some point, but along the way, we've forgotten that there's more to the story. Now, the half that most of us get is the half that says, Jesus has forgiven us of our sins right? Jesus died to take the punishment that we deserved for the things that we had done bad, the things that separated us from God. That's the half that most of us get. And what we forget is that that's only really half the story, right? Because if the story ended on Friday with Jesus died, well, what does what the rest of the weekend mean for us? What's the point, <laughs> Right? Why raise from the dead when, according to us and our half that we know, which is our sins are forgiven because Jesus died, the story ended on Friday? What's the point of Sunday? What's the point? 
Well, the point is that we're only halfway through the story, right? Sunday morning is the other half. Jesus died for our sins, and then he rose again. Why? Why did he rise from the dead? Well, let me share with you, Paul outlines it really well for us in Romans chapter 6. So let me share for you how Paul puts this. He says, what shall we say then? What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For we have been united with him in a death like his. We will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. You see, the first half of the story is that our sins have been forgiven. Right? That's the first half. But the other half is that not only has our debt been paid, he says you've been given new life. Right? This is the part that we're really celebrating on Easter. Right? Our sins have been forgiven, and that's fantastic. Right? But that's the first half. The second half of the story is that our sins have been forgiven so that we may have life. Life. As, as he puts it in John 10, life to the fullest. Now, sometimes I think when I look around at the church and I look around at, at, at Christianity, it seems like life is not really the term that I would put on it. Right? The, what I would put on it is obligation. Right? We approach our faith oftentimes with an obligation. We say, well... Christ died for my sins, so I can't do that really fun thing I wanted to do this weekend, right? Or, well, Christ died for me, so I have to go to church on Sunday, right? There's an, we, we come off with this air of obligation, and it's because we don't realize that when Christ died for us and then resurrected, he has offered us new life, right? Not just a new start, new life, all of it, right? It's the difference between getting your bank account back to zero and getting your bank account back in the positive. Most of us for too long have viewed Jesus as just getting us back to zero. And yet it says he has life. He says, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God. Alive. See, God takes what we have he takes our lives, he takes the mess that we created, and not only does he clean up the mess, but he puts us in an even better place than when we started. Life. And I was reminded this week of some verses from Jeremiah. In Jeremiah 18, he writes this. He says, This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house, and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. 
But the pot that he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands, and so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to him, and he said, Can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. Like clay in the hands of the potter. You know, and it's interesting because in this, in this story, in this, this picture that God gives us of, of a potter and clay, our half of the gospel is the part where, where the potter shapes, shapes it and, and they look and they say, wow, it doesn't look anything like what I intended, <laughs> right? It says in this scripture that it was marred, right? There was something wrong with it. And the, the sin in our lives creates this marred peace to us. And so it doesn't say that the potter simply crumpled it all back together, right? I'm terrible at pottery, so that's what I would do, right? It doesn't say he just crumples it back into the ball. It says, so the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. See, if, if our gospel story ends at our sins are forgiven, our story is ending at the potter putting it back into a ball to start over. But the story of the gospel is more. It's not just that God takes our messy lives and, and crumples them back up and starts over. It's that he starts over and he crafts something beautiful out of it. He takes the mess. He takes the marred piece of clay that is our lives and he makes something out of it. This is the full gospel story. This is the reason that we celebrate on Easter. It's not just because our sins have been forgiven. It's because God can take our lives and make so much more out of it. Like the potter at the wheel. He takes a piece of clay, something shapeable and moldable, and he makes something good. See, that, that's the full gospel picture this morning. It's not just that our sins have been forgiven. It's that our, the, the sins have been forgiven and there is life to be had. There is life to be had. So Sarah, I want to I wanna thank you for being our visual example this morning. Uh, it does take time, I know. I know. Are you saying I should preach extra long? Okay, okay. <laughs> So I, asked, so I asked Sarah to, to, uh, to bring her pottery wheel this week because uh, it helps to have a visual, right? Because as, as she just said, it takes time. And what most of us desire when we, when we think of Easter, we think of this like instantaneous moment in our lives, right? If we just pray the right prayer, if we just sit in the right seat on Sunday mornings, right, everything will change, and we expect that if we can just be with God in that one moment on Easter Sunday, everything will look different. And it can. It can. I've seen God do amazing things in a moment. But I also know that in most times, it takes time. It takes time. It takes time of letting the potter have his way in our lives. Right? which is where I'm getting this morning. Because for a lot of us, we want the, the perks 
that come with Jesus, right? We want our sins to be forgiven. We want to punch our, our ticket to heaven. But how many of us are interested in actually turning the clay over to the person who knows what they're doing, right? Because let me tell you this morning, Sarah knows way better knows what she's doing than I do with that. And how much more so does God, right? How many of us actually want to turn it over and say, look, the clay that I've been playing with is marred. I've made a mess of things. <laughs> but God, we turn it over to God. He turns it into something awesome. That's, that's what Easter is all about. That's the full story, right? That there is life to be had now. That it's not about punching our ticket to heaven. It's about what we're doing right now in this day. God doesn't offer us life after we die. He offers it to us right now in this moment. We get life today and tomorrow and the next day when we decide to follow Jesus. Because Easter is not just one day on the calendar. Easter is the way that we live our lives. Easter is where God offers us a chance to have fresh beginnings, to have a, a life to the fullest right now. Eternity does not start when you die, it starts now. When God offers you life, he's not offering you life in the next life. He's offering you life right now. This is why we gather, not just on Easter. It's why we gather every single week, right? Because we want to have a, an encounter with God that gives us life right now, right? If, if this place didn't give you life, I would not expect to see you here next week, right? The reason I expect to see you here next week is because this place, this experience with God, it's not about the buildings. It's about what we experience here together. It is something that is unmatched in any other place. And do you know why? It's because Jesus gives us life, life that we cannot find anywhere else. It's not just a physical life. It's that like thing that you can't quite put your finger on, but you know it when it's there. <laughs> right? It's, it's like, I know, I can feel and know when the Spirit of God is at work. I can feel it. I can't tell you why, but I know when I know when I know. <laughs> and it's the same thing with life with Jesus. It's more than just a Sunday morning. It's more than just the prayer you prayed when you were four at Bible camp, Right? It's more. It's life to the fullest now in this moment. It's that life that is made possible by the resurrection of Jesus. And it's that life that we ought to be sharing, not just with each other in this space, but with every person that we could possibly meet. <laughs> because there is life to be had. Right? Following Jesus is not an obligation. It brings life. And if following Jesus has not been bringing you life lately, then I want to pray for you, right? Because the Jesus I know, the Jesus I know brings life. He doesn't bring obligation and, and weight, as our children's message was this morning. Jesus does the opposite. He takes it and he makes something even better out of it. So I want to pray. Uh, we're going to sing. Um, I have communion. So what I want to do is I'm going to pray. We'll start to sing. I'll go pass out communion while we're singing. Sound good? Okay. 
So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give all of you guys communion while we're singing. I invite you to take it at whatever point. But here's what I want you to do. Okay, I want you to take communion. I want you to remember that Jesus brings you life. Right? And if following Jesus has not brought you life, or maybe you've never followed Jesus and you want to do that for the first time, you're like, look, sign me up for life to the fullest because that sounds awesome. Right? Then after you're done taking communion, I want you to come up and I want to pray with you. Simple enough, right? Simple enough. So let me pray and we'll worship together. Lord, we are so thankful that you bring us life. That it's not just that you forgive us of our sins, which would have been enough in itself, God, but you offer us a life right now and right here. So help us, Lord, to live into the new life that you offer. To not just feel obligated or to feel weighted down, but God, to feel truly feel the freedom of life that you are giving us. So help us, Lord, to overcome the half gospel that we've been following. Help us to follow the full one that is full of life and life to the fullest. In Jesus' name, amen.